This episode is brought to you by Twizzlers. Long day, late night, feeling a little bored. Twizzlers is the ultimate sidekick for any moment of the day, no matter what kind of day you're having. The perfect level of sweet and a fun excuse to sit back and relax. Unwind with Twizzlers. To buy now, visit hersheyland.com slash Twizzlers. Listen, Buster, you won't get four blocks in this neighborhood dressed like that. Please. No, and that is final. You are not going as a terrorist. All the guys are. Hello and welcome to Unequal Sequel. My name is Dave and I'm one of the two hosts of this mysterious podcast. Oh, and I'm Rich and I'm the other host of this mysterious podcast. Think of me as the dude to Dave's Walter. He's a very angry man who loves bowling and I just want my rug back. (laughs) Out of nothing, you've pulled that one up. Sensational. Um... The premise of Unequal Sequel is very simple. We ask our guests their best ever sequel, their worst ever sequel, and finally their dream sequel. And of course, we quite often drift off and talk about thing, other things, life in general, other movies, and just stuff, you know? I should also point out we do like to drop spoilers. So if we mention a film you don't want us to spoil, just, you know, zoom along a little bit and, yeah, go, go sort out your emails, delete the stuff you don't need, and come back and it'll all be all okay. We also like to point out we did have a few audio problems with this, but we've they're okay, so just go with it. Because on today's episode, we are joined by Matt Coyne. Matt is a brilliant author, and you may know him as Man vs. Baby, which is his blog and his social media that he does loads of tweets about the perils of parenting. It's hilarious. Go and follow him on social media and go and check out all the books he's written. They are great. Yeah. Because we're very excited to sit down with Matt and talk all things sequels with him. These are Matt Coyne's Unequal Sequels. Enjoy. Can you remember the first sequel you got excited about when you were younger? I can because, well, there was two really big ones. Robocop 2 was one. Yeah. Uh, in, in school at the time, that was like a really... Robocop was like a big deal at the time, and everybody's like quoting lines from it and stuff. So at the, at the t- turned out Robocop 2 was rubbish. I can't even really even remember it, to be honest. I vaguely recall the baddie was about 10 years old or something in it. I can't yeah. But the one I really, really was looking forward to watching was Escape from LA. Escape from New York was, was a film that I just watched relentlessly, partly because it was the only like video we had. <laughs> <laughs> it came out in like eighties, early eighties, sometime. Yeah, and you had to wait ten years, I think, for Escape from LA. And uh, one of the reasons why I was really looking forward to seeing it is, if you ever get the chance, or if anybody's listening to this gets the chance, watch the trailers for Escape from LA before it came out because they are unbelievable. They're very, very eighties. They're very schlocky and kind of camp. And um, Kurt Russell breaks the fourth wall in the trailer. <laughs> uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's the kind of hard to describe, but if you imagine there's a there's a bit in it. it just, this is just in the trailer where he says something like, "I'm going to do the Bangkok move or the ti- or let's play the Thai move or something like that," where he uh, is confronted by these three bad guys all with machine guns, and he says, "I'm going to throw this can in the air," and then before it lands, 
at the point at which he lands, we all draw, and he throws it up in the air, and then just shoots as soon as he throws it up in the air, and uh, kills them all basically. But on the trailer, he then turns to the camera and says, "You got a problem with that?" <laughs> it's just the lamest thing. <laughs> it's the lamest thing in the world. But at the very start of the trailer, it's uh, it's speaking to the theatre audience. Yes, yeah. like uh, no talking. No, um, I mean, it would be mobile phones now, but it was like no talking, no smoking. And then it goes, no red meat. And it says, says, all marriages must be approved by the government. Yeah. (laughs) And then uh, then the trailer starts. And like like I say, it's very, very camp and very, very slow. But I um, I was such a big fan of of Escape from New York that waiting for that long and then the trailer's coming along, I was was just so... So it's quite a good film still. Like oh, is it though, Matt? I love it. it. <laughs> I think I've seen it. I've seen Escape from New York. I don't think I've seen Escape the first one's such a classic. Like it's pure cult favorite, John Carpenter. And then it's got to the second one, like you said, ten years later. And the budget does not re- like look good on film. Like isn't it? Does a bit of surfing again or something in the it second does, one? Yeah. It's original sort of CGI. <laughs> surfing whereby i can't i think there's a tsunami and there's, yeah. a, there's a car chase but because he hasn't got a car they jump on surfboards and ride the tsunami after the after the car <laughs> <laughs> i mean i know i know what you're saying you know whether it's uh whether it's as good as the original or whatever it certainly isn't um no. I, but i love escape from LA and i think we'll establish over the rest of this episode what terrible taste i've got in movies <laughs> generally <laughs> but um I, I remember once going to uh comic con in uh, Manchester, and uh, I was in the uh, in the queue, and everybody was like cosplaying and stuff. And uh, but basically, everybody was sort of like really Harry Potterified at the time, so everybody was like, "All right, yeah, like Harry or uh, Voldemort or whatever." In the queue, apart from this one guy behind me, was like uh, Snake Plissken, basically oh. character from Escape from New York. You don't know, but uh, he was Snake Plissken. And uh, one of the famous lines out of Escape from New York is, is I thought you were dead. Everybody says that to Snake Plissken as he, as he appears on, on screen and meets a new character. So I turned to this fellow and said, <laughs> I thought you were dead. Thinking, yeah, yeah I, I, I know you are. I get the reference. So I said, I thought you were dead. And it's clear he didn't have the faintest idea what I was talking about. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Did you have to explain your own reference to him? Well, in retrospect, I think it was just a fellow with an eye patch. <laughs> Are you sure it wasn't like meant to be Nick Fury? Because those two get <laughs> mixed up. I mean, it may. I mean, it may have been. I mean, I like. To, I like to think it wasn't just a fellow with a bad eye. Oh my god! Could you imagine if it was? Brilliant. It clearly wasn't Snake Plissken from his reaction, anyway. But, uh, but yeah. What were, you, what were you dressed up as? Were you dressed up? I was. I was. You know, from uh, Watchmen, the yeah. um, the Rorschach from. Uh, I found this 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 supplier in Japan who could give you a white. Uh, like a face mask, and if you breathed really heavy into it, it would change the uh, pattern on the front. Oh, that's you really cool! Basically, so I found I found that, and it turned out that whatever chemicals were in it <laughs> were not good for my uh, eyes, face, or ears. <laughs> <laughs> Everything kind of swelled. So if you're thinking oh, of uh, going in Comic Con at Rorschach, then uh, yeah, get it from a reputable supplier of that particular mask. <laughs> It took 31 days to come and almost killed me. (laughs) (laughs) 
Totally worth it though, was it? Well, it's the best Comic Con ever. Yeah. yeah, I bet. I bet. Do you reckon Brilliant. like Snake is that Kurt Russell's best role, or are you like a, a Thing kind of fan? I think it's definitely. I think it's his favourite role. He clearly, absolutely loves it. I mean, uh, mm. just watching him uh, play the character, I think he wanted to make uh, make another one, and he said, "Yeah." He said, "No." The second one was terrible. <laughs> so only Matt watched it. So <laughs> did he even get a cinema release? The Escape from LA. It must have done because they, that that. That theatrical trailer was pure theatre, uh, yeah. so it, it's, it'd be a bit lame if it's telling you in sat on your own on your own settee to no talking, no smoking, etc. <laughs> yeah, so it must have got a theatrical, theatrical release. It must. I have guess you had you had to wait until VHS then. Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, uh, but it, like I said, it, it, I can't imagine it was. It might not have got a UK release. Mm. <laughs> My suspicion mm. is that it wasn't. It's not. I mean, neither film is is particularly well done outside of like it, it is very a very cult following even the first one yeah one certainly certainly is but uh yeah i think um i think i think it's definitely is i'm trying to think of other roles where he where he seems to be having as good a time and i can't think of one and i know that's not a very good measure of whether it's whether it's someone's best role as an actor but i quite like to see people having a good time when they're yeah, no i, I, don't I, agree know. I think if people are having a good time they make a better movie i reckon Definitely. Yeah, I think yeah, definitely. Yeah. I can't I can't bet watching a film when you when you've already heard rumblings beforehand that they've all fallen out and stuff like that. Yeah, that's that's not the film you want to watch, really. No. I'm trying to think of more Kurt Russell films, and honestly, my mind's gone blank. I've gone I've got executive decision in my head with Steven Seagal. Well, how many did it make with Goldie Horn? What was the uh, Oh uh, Overboard? Third on a wire, was it overboard? Yeah, it was more comic roles were quite good as well, but it was always kind of playing the same the same person. It was always quite a bit, bit, bit very likable as well. Like, I mean, and uh, I think I think all Kurt Russell stuff he comes across as well. Yeah, I I know. Recently, there is talk of a, a remake of Escape from New York, um, but I would quite like to see him play that character again, like an old man Snake. I think he's still got it in him. I mean, he's still got a wonderful beard and hair. What, like Escape from the Nursing Home. Or like, oh yeah, or just a, another escape from London. I don't know. I'm just throwing out escape from Paris, escape from Detroit. It's, I feel like it has to be in America, actually. Yeah, you can't have escape from Birmingham, as much no. as many people no. like. To. <laughs> Obviously, if anybody's listening from Birmingham, that is clearly a joke. <laughs> it's a lovely place, Birmingham. It really is. It is. What is your best sequel ever? Well, you've. I'm sure that when I say it, then you'll be like, uh, people, be like, oh, we've heard this a thousand times before, and I'm sure everybody's, quite a few people say, Bob, Terminator 2, Judgment Day. Brilliant choice. Great sequel. It's just a fantastic... Here's the thing. I don't think it's a perfect film, but it is right. a perfect sequel. Mm. And that, I know that, I know, deep, yeah. We'll get into that. <laughs> because I think this, I think there is... A couple of things. One very major thing that I hate about about Terminator Two, absolutely, oh, right. about it. and that's the whole um, the whole. I don't, I don't describe the Pinocchio Terminator T eight hundred wants to be a real boy stuff. All, right. this, uh, all okay. the kind of um, is this why this is why humans cry and why do humans have tears and all that sort yeah. of stuff. I can't bear that about it. I think that's uh, I think that's because he's, he's a Terminator. It's not Johnny Five. You know what I mean? He's not supposed to be like a, a like a cuddly robot, I think. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I just don't, I don't buy any of that element of it. So, so I, I hate all the tears stuff, and I hate the thumbs up at the end. And uh, I know some, I know that 
divides people about it, but I'm just not a fan. It, it couldn't be couldn't be cheesier if he did put a peace sign up at the end as he's melting. Yeah, that's but, true. Um, so, so that's what I mean about it. <laughs> that <laughs> so made me cry. <laughs> the, thumb, the thumb made you cry. Yeah, for like first, I was emotional. I was well into Terminator Two when I first. Dave, you it. cry at everything. You, right? Not when I was younger. I was not a crier. The crier has come in the last ten years. <laughs> but now I'm more likely to cry at it when I watch it. Yeah. <laughs> I like how you're you're describing anything you hate about it, and this is meant to be your best sequel. Well, well, I was trying. I, I was trying to justify saying that it's not a perfect movie, but it is a perfect sequel. So. So just just to put to one side that I don't think it's a perfect film, mm. but in terms of it being as a, as a sequel, I can't think of it. I can't think it ticks certain boxes for me as a sequel. I'm sure you go you go over it a thousand times, but but one being that, that don't tread the same ground. Mm-hmm. It doesn't do that at all. It, it definitely moves moves the story onwards, but in a way that infuriates me about some sequels. Great if you move the story onwards and take it in a different direction, do different things with it. But you have to account for what's happened before. You have to. You yeah. can't just pretend that the that the first film doesn't exist. And T two does that. It kind mm. of because I'm one of those people who gets to the end of Terminator and I'm thinking, well, someone's going to find that crushed robot in that compressor, mm. and uh, and you have to account for that. And see what so they do, and they do that with with almost everything. They just they they account for it. And so many sequels don't do that. And t- Terminator, I think. Is pretty much a perfect film. It's right. just a different sort of film, I think. To yeah. me, Terminator is basically a horror film. It's basically Michael yeah. Myers chasing you down, Jason Voorhees chasing you down. It's, yeah, yeah. It's the same. It's the same principle. It's not very complicated, not very complex. And Terminator Two is just so much more than that. Like, I mean, and I genuinely think Terminator Two is a better film than Terminator. But there's, they're almost completely different genres in a way. I don't, they I are. Yeah, see Terminator as a sci- sci-fi to a to a degree. Um, I do see it as that horror. You know, mm. an, an evil monster hunting you, hunting you down in the same mm. way Michael Myers did. Everything about Terminator Two is just just a. We, I mean, the bits of Escape from New York and Escape from LA. That that um, what's the what's the word? That, that aesthetic of it, you know, that's kind of yeah. like late eighties, early night, That kind of stuff is is I love it anyway. But the uh, even like the font at the start and the. And the 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 that industrial music of someone just like the music, the yeah, dun 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 dun. Nah, as soon as that comes on, you're thinking, right, everybody, shut up, sit down, we'll watch it. <laughs> <laughs> but I can't. I mean, I mean what, what's it, what does everybody else say about it? Because it must have had how, how many people you've had on now that said uh, I think we've not averaged one a season. Yeah, about, I think yeah, three or four. Yeah, but it has been up there as the most popular mm. pick, as well as Wrath of Khan. I guess, um, yeah, that's popular. This, Aliens has had a Aliens couple. is popular, yeah, yeah. But this is, I think this is probably up there in terms of, like, people's best sort of sequel that's better than the original kind of thing. Everyone loves think, Terminator 2. Yeah, everyone loves Terminator 2. Um, and I think that, like, you're, you're absolutely right. Like, it kind of treads new ground, especially in kind of, like, character growth, because... Linda Hamilton is a completely different person, yeah, and has been on a believable journey essentially from the first yeah, yeah. one. You know, it's you can really understand where she's come from, but, and that's what I mean about the continuation and making sense as well. Because mm. you would be institutionalized if you're if you're coming out of there and say I've been hunted down by a robot from the future. We'll get ready. They're going to put yeah, you yeah. in a cell, and that's where yeah. you're going to be, and they're going to take your kids off you. 
and they're going to give it to, to two terrible foster parents, and that's where they're going to live. And that's 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 the it's 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 always difficult when you talk about um, believability in sci-fi and fantasy and all that sort of stuff. But it has to be believable within its own universe, and yeah. and that's absolutely what they what they do with this. I think. And you're right, the fact that Linda Hamilton comes back and she's she's no longer this um, you know this uh, this helpless female who's been pursued, and is she's literally physically built like a brick yeah, yeah. And, and mentally absolute hard as nails even when she's required to leave her son and say no i need to go and i need to go and kill the guy who uh mm. who instigates all this back by creating a chip she's like right i'm just going to do go do that so yeah character growth is a is a big one the fact that it's uh that it does continue in a way in a, in a, in a, in a different direction in a direction that's interesting that's before you get to the special effects and stuff like that which at the time were like oh my god yeah, yeah. absolutely yeah because you absolutely blown away by it. you mentioned robocop 2 and we watched it not long ago and it's amazing to think that this and robocop 2 are like what nine months apart is that right then, oh yeah the like robocop yeah, 2 is still using like stop motion animation yeah for, like, <laughs> for stuff and this is like incredible you know it's i mean it even it, i mean it looks a little bit shonky now but it still holds up it's still f- perfectly believable oh without a doubt i wonder when total recall was in that sort of uh, time span oh, yeah because some of that some of that was uh shonky special effects as well you know? uh, yeah i feel uh, for some reason recall saying 90 to me but rich is having a look I'm when did look, you yeah. when did you first see terminator 2 when did it first be- you were right, onto your radar 1990 yeah <laughs> spot on mate <laughs> um I don't, I don't remember watching it at the cinema so i probably didn't but um yeah i don't, I don't remember for, i don't remember the first time i saw it Partly because I've seen it so many times, I guess. Yeah. You know I mean? It's and part of your DNA done. now. I know, yeah. It feels like it's always been... It's, like always it's been weird, there. isn't it? Yeah. Because it's weird. When I was a child, like, it was an 18 or 15. It was quite violent. I wasn't allowed to watch it. But they still had Terminator toys. So, like, right. you, you're still kind of associated with it because, obviously, you kind of knew Arnie and stuff as well. I think I watched it when I was about 12. I was below I, like, yeah. I should have watched it. But not in 91. I didn't watch it when I was six. No. <laughs> uh, that would have been mental. But I watched. I mean, I, I'm, I was big, big into comic books and stuff. Uh, and uh, they, were, they had some um, uh, Terminator comics that weren't uh, that weren't weren't canon. Basically, not part of the. Um, I try to remember the name, the the makers of it. It wasn't Dark Horse at the time. It was a, it was an earlier uh, precursor to Dark Horse, I think. And they they had some brilliant Terminator uh, comics. So I probably read them before. Before Terminator Two, and there's an awful lot in in those comics. Yeah, but it could be used in adding future Terminators on this one. And, and then they, they don't choose to. I mean, the later, no. the later, the later there's an awful lot of source material there that they don't bother with, and they just they now tend to tread old ground, which which is what makes them so poor, in my opinion. Yeah. Do you reckon you saw the second one before the first one? I, I don't think I did actually. I think. Uh, I think I probably caught Terminator on TV at some point. You went the right way around it then. I think so, yeah. Yeah, and I but but I don't think I remembered Terminator. I don't think I don't think I went into Terminator 2 with Terminator with this, you know, with, with the story of Terminator in my head. So oh, wow. so yeah, I don't I, to, to be honest, it's so long ago now, I can't, I can't <laughs> <laughs> Terminator 2 sticks there and Terminator is I'll watch it when it's on, but I don't I don't kind of seek it out in the same way. Like, I mean, which I guess yeah. is why why T two is 
it's that good a sequel is because you, you I will seek it out in a way that I won't. What's the what's the sequence that really stands out for you? In in Terminator Two. Yeah. Oh um, probably oh, just there's just there's just loads. Persistently I get a little shiver every time he reloads the shotgun. I'm thinking that is just so cool. <laughs> yeah. so every time he does that, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. One thing that really sticks sticks out for me. I'll tell you what really sticks out for me, and, I, and it's only because when, when I saw it most recently, I got annoyed with Lindsay, my girlfriend, because she was on a phone at a point at which this happened on screen. How dare they? <laughs> and ordinarily, I don't mind. But it was the bit where um, where the t- where Arnie's coming out of the lift and Linda Howley comes, slides around the corner. As, uh, as she sees him and she can't get she can't get a grip and she's scrabbling to scrabbling to get back. I think that's a brilliant sequence. So the fact that uh, she was on the phone during it made me furious. <laughs> was that was that the first time you made her watch it? <laughs> no, she's seen she's seen it plenty. Like oh, good. No choice, but uh, but yeah. But even still, you shouldn't be on your phone for that sequence. And and also the bit where uh, Linda Linda Hamilton um, breaks into the house of the guy who's uh, created the ship. Mm. That's. Now, now as a, watching it as a parent and the little boy's kind of trying to protect his dad, it gets me yeah. in a different way. Like, you know, I think, yeah. I think that's a that's a really strong, really strong sequence as well. Like, so there's just so many of them. I, I, that's again without mentioning the special effects stuff. You stride, you know, striding out of the fire or the um, or the uh, the nuclear blast to the playground. That's brutal. That's as bad as threads. That for me, and I'm, you yeah. know, I'm from Sheffield, and threads sits with me like, uh, like, like nothing. But, but, uh, but that blast through the playgrounds is bad as any representation of nuclear uh, war that I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, that that's the bit that really scarred me when I was little when I first watched it. The head, yeah, me too, turning into a skeleton <laughs> and just holding on, holding on like to a... the fence. Yeah, yeah, that is that is freaky. This this like just like threads the. Um, the the nuclear war one set in Sheffield. Um, people, people might be listening, not knowing what it is, but it's a it is basically a story. It is a, a faux news documentary about a nuclear yeah. attack on uh, on Sheffield, basically. But there's a bit in that where um, where our local shopping precinct uh, a blast comes comes down the street and it melts some milk bottles and a lady who's walking along wets herself and. <laughs> And it's, it's not comic course. Oh. <laughs> but basically, uh, that stuck with me as a kid, right up until I saw T2 and, the, and her coming into the fence. And that's the thing that really sticks with me now yeah. in terms of, uh, of, you know, that... that, that I, I imagine the way that, um, sort of like, uh, um, Americans get a duck and cover stuck in their head and the idea of being under a desk and stuff like that during Cuban Missile Crisis or whatever, that's... That's my yeah. version of that. It, uh, it it haunted me for a while. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god. Where? How do you feel about the sequels and the franchise as a whole? Terminator now. Like, have you have you watched them all? Is the first question. Probably. I mean, how many? How many is that? Probably watched through. Is it? What's the latest? Dark Fate, the latest one? Or that was the last one. Yeah, I think there's six now. Yeah, it's all gone a bit Hellraiser. That means just lost. They just lost their way a little bit. I don't really. <laughs> As I said, they're treading old ground. They're messing with the timeline, which I don't like. Mm. And you start when you start dicking around the timeline and starting to affect previous, uh, you know, for me the canon Terminators. Then, uh, then I don't like that either. I mean, and, uh, it's a shame because it, it could. There's a lot of legs in it. There's a lot. There's a lot they can do with the the idea of different types of Terminators and things like. 
about that. As I said, there's not a lot, a lot of source material from the comics. Um, you know where they use um, where they use kind of more terrorist type um, tactics of use like baby robots and things like that to lure people and stuff like that. There's an awful lot of cool stuff in it, uh, but they seem to just want to tread old ground. And uh, the effects are, the effects are amazing. You know, some of the um, all effects are amazing now, aren't they? Really, um, it's difficult. I, I completely understand and appreciate the skill that goes into into CGI, but uh, sometimes. Being able to see the joins makes you realise how incredibly good it is. Yeah. I miss seeing the joins sometimes. Yeah. And it's like, I mean, bad CGI can spoil a film, but I don't think good CGI can make a bad film better. That's absolutely spot on, yeah. yeah. If it's it's a bad film already, you know. I think kids as well now, they just assume that everything's possible on on screen, you know, after the and stuff like that. It's just, oh, right, yeah, we've managed (laughs) to. You know, it's no problem. This guy's made out of liquid metal and he walks through this. But at the time, it was like, holy shit. Ah, yeah, it was yeah. mind-blowing. It was mind-blowing, wasn't it? Like, it's like, like, talking to my little boy, he can't even get his head around there not being Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> well, the idea of Netflix arriving in the post. He's yeah. like, what did you do? I was like, we just had four channels on the telly. <laughs> Couldn't even record it. Couldn't even like, record it. Didn't even have remote control. <laughs> had to yeah. get up and press the buttons. <laughs> well, we, we were one of the first people to have a remote control on our estate, but it was it did have a wire. It was kind of oh, yeah. still plugged into the TV. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, Amazing. I think um, yeah, they don't know the bond, do they? Without <laughs> What age are you going to show Terminator 2 to your son? He's seven now, so I'm guessing not yet. What is an appropriate age, do you reckon? Ten? Does that sound <laughs> reasonable? I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm trying to think of um of, of, of what particular sequence that it, I suppose it's more the overall um the, the fe- you know the fear and the you know what I mean the yeah. anxiety it might cause of uh, of seeing one of the main characters burned alive against a fence. <laughs> that might, yeah. That might prove uh, prove to cause a couple of a couple of nightmares or whatever. So yeah, I'll probably probably wait. I don't because he's he's my only child, I don't really have a benchmark to think uh, what, yeah, what is nine, ten, eleven, what's the point at which you can kind of deal with mm. with that sort of thing. But um he's watched some twelves. He's watched uh, Thor Ragnarok, which um which is brilliant. <laughs> it's a great film. <laughs> it's great. I was, I was, we were kind of probably two thirds of the way through before I realised this is deeply inappropriate. But I was just enjoying it too much to turn it off. I think so. Um, so there, there is a couple of twelves that he's seen already at seven. Um, I'm just, just things like that. They're that are a little bit more kind of comic booky and uh, yeah, colourful. Yeah, they're. Um, it doesn't. Cool. I would probably go Terminator 2 first and Terminator 1. I think Terminator 1 is a bit more brutal. It bit depends more on the kid, though, realism. right? Like, you know what your kid will like. Like, I wouldn't show my son Terminator 2 because I know exactly the same. He would he would be anxious about nuclear war, essentially. Yeah. He would then just be worried about that forever. But Jurassic Park and someone getting eaten by a dinosaur, he's fine with that. It just, he just doesn't yeah, care. Yeah, Jurassic Park he's fine with that as well. I mean, so it's... It is weird. You can. He's perfectly happy with some fella getting getting eaten on a toilet. <laughs> yeah. but, uh, I mean, maybe that's maybe that's just the the the, the uh, rationalism of a of a seven year old because it, it it's fine to be not scared of a dinosaur eating a fella on a toilet because that's not going to happen. Nuclear war yeah. could. So let's could do. let's not go down that road. robots could happen. <laughs> yeah. 
This episode is brought to you by Twizzlers. Long day, late night, feeling a little bored. Twizzlers is the ultimate sidekick for any moment of the day, no matter what kind of day you're having. The perfect level of sweet and a fun excuse to sit back and relax. Unwind with Twizzlers. To buy now, visit hersheyland.com slash Twizzlers. Uh, so this is not your worst one. We're not going on to that yet. But what has been your most disappointed experience of a sequel? So not the worst. One you went in really high and you came out and thought, oh, a little bit like Escape from L.A. <laughs> Except not. Because Escape from L.A. is a great There's quite a few, but I would have to say, I would say Battle Royale. Battle Royale Requiem. Yes. A terrible, terrible sequel. Because, because Battle Royale is, is a great, great movie. Mm. And because as well, from a personal point of view, I, uh, first of all, I read Battle Royale, the book first before I saw Battle Royale. And that is a thick book, right? Mm. So I, I was very, very invested in Battle Royale when I saw it. I then watched it, thought, that is amazing. What an absolutely great film. But when I watched it, you couldn't get a hold of uh, Battle Royale Requiem. Full of my money. You, you basically, I basically, so I order it from Japan, but at certain, certain, re, you know, the regions thing with DVDs or whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Certain yeah, supplies yeah. region two DVD of Battle Royale record. Anyway, I waited for it for 30 days. So this is it's big anticipation, really, for, for Battle Royale Requiem. And it's just, it's just nowhere near as good as the original. It's, it's, it's an attempt at a, con- attempt. it's so half arsed. Because it's an attempt at a continuation of what's happening at first, that strips all of the fun out of that first first mm. film and throws in loads of kitchen sink rubbish about how like the the uh, the bad guys now or the, the I think the teacher I think he's he's kind of like uh, he's fed up in his marriage now and all this sort of stuff. Well, who cares? Give them the <laughs> give them the give them the bags with the flamethrowers in, yeah, and let them kill each other on this island. But why are you messing with a perfectly good formula? Uh, I mean, I know I know a lot of people say about Battle Royale being Hunger Games, basically having having ripped off uh, Battle Royale, mm. and yeah. I, I'm, I'm I'm in two minds about that. I'm, Quentin Tarantino thinks says says it was definitely ripped off the Hunger Games, and there's an awful lot of Hunger Games in it. So, certainly the first. Uh, first hunger games yeah definitely mm. um, i'd agree with that but um and, in, and in fact the best stuff about hunger games is from uh, battle royale i'd say you can yeah. strip most of the most of the other stuff out of uh, hunger games and you'd slend it with a reasonably good film if it was if you just kept the battle royale stuff you know I mean, you'd, all that is padding to me the uh the the entire um i'm trying to think of the bit where oh when they when they they've been told that basically they're going to be the, the the class that has been selected under this this law to fight each other, the bit where they're all in the classroom and they essentially are told one after the other to go and grab their back, it's our weapon, our tool, mm. and uh, you kind of already have kind of favourites by then. It's weird how you quickly think think oh I like that guy, I don't, not so, so it's not so much of a fan of that one. And uh, when one of the characters who I quite like uh, immediately picks up his bag, and somebody's already pulled out like a Glock, and somebody else has got like a uh, like an AK forty seven or something. And he opens his bag and he's got a pan lid. <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's the point. Which the, this is a great film, and uh, yeah, they ruined it with with uh, with Battle Royale. 
Uh, I remember watching the, the second one, and they end up joining the Taliban. Pretty much is the end of the second <laughs> yeah. one. It's, I know the first one's quite political. I know that, and but then the second one come along, and they tried to say I don't even know what they were trying to say by the no. end of it. Mm-hmm. It was really confusing. But yeah, we watched this like you said at uni. Someone got a copy of it, and they played it in like our screening room because uh, otherwise I wouldn't know it was a thing. And I was like, oh, wicked, because the Battle Royale is so good. And like you, yeah, I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, they're really, not, yeah, they're really... The kills good. aren't even as good. It's just not as entertaining. No, they, yeah, they're really, uh, yeah, they're really ballsed up with Requiem. And it's a shame because uh, because the, that should be a franchise as well, really. Mm, they, yeah. they, they killed it stone dead with that. And, they'll, and they probably won't, won't make it into a franchise because it's now people will think it's just ripped off Hunger Games. Because such is yeah. such is the world. That, you know, that, <laughs> that is true. There, but, which is shame, real shame, I think. I don't know. I think that the Japanese that they they don't go quite as heavy on the franchises as the as the Westerns, like the Americans. They, they mean, just like you know the kaiju franchise. That's, yeah, that's like the Godzillas, they're very protective of that kind of. <laughs> yeah, but they're very protective of certain things. I know the Americans have been trying to make a remake for years, but then I think Hunger Games came along and, and probably it's like, well, them, we've, yeah. we've done that. Yeah, yeah, and they really haven't, have they? You know, no, it's not definitely the same. Similar to or you think to think it ripped it off or whatever. Hung Games is vastly inferior, and they could easily make uh, make a battle royale, as far as I'm concerned. Have you still got your copy of Requiem? I have probably, yeah, somewhere stashed <laughs> away. Um, yeah, I've, I've, yeah, I've got a, I've got a lot full of DVDs that'll never be never be watched again. But, uh, you can sell them for one p now. Yeah. I'll give my give my requiem to Music Magpie and yeah, that's what it is. Share, share, the, share the joy with somebody else. Yeah. Let's go on to worse. Then let's delve into this masterpiece. I think we can talk about your original worst and then talk about why we had to pick another one <laughs> right. so where do we, yeah so what's your worst sequel how do we get there take us on a journey right, okay so my original worst sequel was uh, the jerk 2 um yeah. and i have uh, i have very little more to add other than the fact that it's one of those sequels with t-o-o rather than the Rather than a digit, that's good enough for me to think that's a terrible, terrible. <laughs> but um, the jerk, I think, is a is is a brilliant comedy film. Yeah, um, Steve, Steve Martin's one of those uh, one of those people who, who transitioned from stand up to uh, comedy acting so beautifully, so brilliantly, and so likably. I think he's one of, one of the most likable uh, mm. actors on screen from uh, all the yeah. way through, you know, eighties, nineties. And uh, the jerk, I think, is a great film. It's problematic. They're all problematic now, I'm afraid. You know, what I mean, if you watch it now, I, I have no doubt there are certain things that will, that you will, you know, cringe a little bit at, and maybe think oh, today that's not really uh, that's not really great. But um, but it's, it it just stand up as as from a purely comedic point of view, it really it really does stand up. The jerk too. I've only seen it once, and. And one of the reasons why I didn't choose the joke to, it sounds like I've chosen the joke to, I haven't chosen the joke to. Yeah, <laughs> we couldn't find it. We can, yeah, yeah. It's because we couldn't find it anywhere. Nah, Literally, we couldn't find it. Um, I have got it. It's probably on video rather than uh, rather than DVD. But um, it's trying to remember. Basically, it is, it is, I think it's related to Steve Martin. Uh, Steve Martin's original character in The Jerk. And I think mm. it's basically a retreading of, of The Jerk. 
But um, the reason why I initially said the jerk too is because I love the jerk so much that I thought, I remember that being shit, I'll choose that. Yeah. So to take you on the journey a little bit further, <laughs> I realised I was looking at it from the wrong point of view. Rather than choose your favourite film that has a sequel that lets it down, yeah. choose the worst film you've ever seen. <laughs> and, and you really did. Find out whether it's got, a, got, a, got a sequel and that must be worse. And mm. and it is, which is why I chose Paul Blart, Mall Cop 2. Awful. Awful. <laughs> Should we move on? <laughs> it's so bad. It's so bad. I mean, which I've one? Seen... The first or the second? Because I've not seen the first one. I've never seen the first one. I only watched the second one just, okay. just for this podcast. Okay, if you want a real journey, I'll tell you how I came across <laughs> the canonical Paul Blart Morecambe. The first. Please. The original. This is a strange tale, but basically, I watched Paul Blart Morecambe in Cambodia on a bus. Okay. I was... Um, we were supposed to, I used to travel quite a bit when I was a kid, when I was younger. And uh, we were supposed to travel from Cambodia into Vietnam on a boat, but there was some drought or something at the time that meant the, meant the river was too low. So we got a, a, a bus, like a working men's club type coach. Uh, and I was on it for 11 hours and they played Paul Blart Mall Cop on a video screen <laughs> above the driver for well, pretty much 11 hours, I think. Oh, well, there was Paul Blackmore and two episodes of Mr. Bean, and they were on. Oh no! On loop. <laughs> on loop. Yeah, and it was surrounded by people who thought uh, Paul Black was hilarious, which made it so many times worse. <laughs> and uh, and yeah, I mean, like I said, I, I did used to travel quite a bit when I was younger, and bad things happen when you go off the go off the beaten track a little bit. I've been mm. like, I've been arrested, I've been mugged, I've been shot at. Trying to cross into bottom. I was once bitten on the dick by a piranha, right? Wow. <laughs> but, but Paul Blanc Morcock for 11 hours on that coach is the worst thing that's ever happened to me on, on my travels. Like, ever. Brilliant. Right? <laughs> if I'd have got off that bus and been confronted by, if, if one of the, if I'd found that one of those, the writers of that would have been on that bus, I would have had to be physically restrained. Because it's just so, so bad. So. Yeah, it is. <laughs> so what I thought, so for this for this podcast, I thought, right, so I'll go and watch Paul Blart, More Cop 2. <laughs> and it gets, like, worse reviews and worse star ratings on everything from IMDb. Mm, it does, yeah. Tomatoes, than, than Paul Blart, More Cop, which is the worst film I've ever seen. It is, it's hard to... It's hard to describe how bad it is, but I'm going to yeah. no, I'm not gonna try. What, what I'll say is this. One of the worst things about Paul Bart Cop 2 happens in the first two minutes of the entire film, right? Because it makes Paul Bart Cop 1 completely pointless. The whole point of Paul Bart Cop 1 is that he gets the girl. In the yeah. first three minutes of Paul Bart Cop 2, they're divorced. Yeah, after a week or something. Those eleven hours were completely, completely pointless. <laughs> and his and his and his and his mother gets hit by a truck in the first two minutes as well. It's a dark, it's dark few minutes. The <laughs> yeah. end. Yeah. It's it's it makes me angry. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I can't say. I watched this twice in four days just to make sure it was that bad because I felt <laughs> oh. like I felt like when I watched it the first time I missed something. I was like, well, I don't. I know this is meant to be a comedy, but I don't. I don't remember laughing or anything. I think I laughed once. Anything funny? And that so was I put, when I put it on today, and it was. Yeah, I, I laughed once. It's about an hour in, and it's when Kevin James walks into a piece of glass, and it looks like it genuinely hurt. So yeah, <laughs> that yeah. was funny. I've done that before. Really, really that's it. fair enough. I'll be honest. I did. I did laugh twice in uh, More Cop Two. Once was. <laughs> it's. It must be funny because I'm pretty. I'm laughing while I remember it. It was the uh, when he's fighting the bird. <laughs> he's fighting I mean, why? a huge bird. <laughs> For absolutely no reason whatsoever, he's just he just goes through a door in this hotel, and there's a bird there, and he fights right. And it's yeah. uh, and it, the thing that I found funny in that was there's a fella playing the piano, and he's just <laughs> yeah. to be there as well in this room playing a big round piano while he fights the bird, and the fella just looks at him like he, he, like he can't understand what's happening, and I just sympathise so much with that. <laughs> <laughs> that I did laugh at that bit, and there's there's one other bit as well that I thought was that was funny, and it's just the just the strange man in the warehouse eating a really old banana. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's so weird. <laughs> he just happens to be eating an old banana. I don't. <laughs> What's that got to do with anything? <laughs> I have absolutely no idea. I, I'll tell you how bad the comedy is, and this is this is. This is genuinely true. If anybody's listening to this, has not watched it. This is genuinely true. One of the number one jokes that spans the two more cops is that is that the main character Paul Blart is hypoglycemic. That's mm. that's the number one running joke throughout the entire thing. That he's hypoglycemic. At one point, he loses consciousness, and the only way that he can the only way that he can regain consciousness. It's by backpedaling under a child's ice cream that's dripping. <laughs> oh God, it's disgusting! And and taking some of the drips of the ice cream into his mouth so that it can yeah. then regain consciousness. I, I honestly, it is. I, 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 I think it's supposed to be like a, a diehard spoof or something. Yeah, yeah, but supposedly. I mean, they could have really leaned into Taken for it, couldn't they? There could have been a moment there when he could have done a funny version of the Taken. Speech That's like I have certain set of skills. I think I mean, that would require yeah. some like intelligence. Writing, so. yeah. <laughs> no, I, I understand. It's 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 not the worst film we've ever watched, but just because it is I mean, under ninety close. minutes. Well, yeah. I mean, it's yeah. But I got forty minutes into it, and I thought, oh god, it's got to be ending soon. Forty-five. <laughs> nothing happens for forty-five minutes. <laughs> That's got to be it, isn't it? <laughs> I looked, and I was like, forty minutes. I was like, shit. It's, it's I've been watching shit. it for three hours. <laughs> so, poor. Yeah, you. I don't understand how they got a sequel because the first one must have done quite well. I actually I looked at the numbers of this one and it was made for like 38 million and it made over 100 million dollars. 38 38 million the budget of this one and it made over 100. So it made its money back That's plus. Mad. 38 million pounds. Yeah, what did they spend on million? the bird? That's ridiculous. <laughs> I don't know hiring out the hotel. But, 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 which, every every opportunity they advertised. Well, they didn't pay for the hotel, did they? Them, surely. Because the hotel is in every single shot, the win, the yeah. win, the win. It's just it's even got the owner in it, isn't it? The hotel oh. owner crops up. Yeah. Like, there's no way they paid for that hotel. I reckon that's just Adam Sandler and like See, crew. That's a, weird, that's a weird a... scene as well when the owner of the hotel just rocks up with the. Is he meant to be famous? Am I meant to know who he is? Steve Wynn. He's a little bit famous in America, I think. 
Oh, okay. Right. He's, like, right. he's like a Trump kind of character. I'm trying to think what the... There's a, there's a movie where somebody's got uh, really, really bad plastic surgery and they're constantly drinking, but the, the water's pouring down their face. I can't think of it. <laughs> but basically, Steve Wynn looks like, looks like that in that. <laughs> yeah. His face entirely motionless, and clearly he was supposed to have a line in it, but he must have blown it because it's, it's cut. <laughs> He just kind of stands there and gives a thumbs up and just leaves again. <laughs> you, know, you know, you were talking about that man that was playing the piano earlier. Yeah. Well, he was meant to be a, a recurring character. They they filmed a lot with him and he was meant to be like deaf, was meant to be his character. And they're meant to prove that Paul Blart can't die, basically. What? But that whole storyline got dropped. That sounds like the best bit. Yeah. <laughs> That's why he keeps singing, like, not today, death, <laughs> and stuff like that. There's a few lines like that, a few along it, that he, he's trying so to say he's weird. immortal. Well, that, well, that's the thing. You, you wouldn't know that that didn't make any sense because so little of it makes any sense whatsoever. Yeah. But, like, the story doesn't get going, like Rich says, until like an hour in. Then they suddenly that, get to the, right. the heist. There isn't a mall. There isn't a mall in Mall Cop Two. Is that? I think it's in it. No, they, they do for one bit because they finally he gets into the Mall of America and he's like, "My, like this is my ground now," kind of thing. <laughs> but then he, then that's like two minutes later, he's back in the hotel. I, I'm, I, I was speechless. I, like I said, I watched it twice to really try and understand it. <laughs> I can't believe you watched it twice. That's dedication, well, it, mate. It, it's so short. It's so short. It's so shit. <laughs> I mean, I could have watched the first one because I still haven't seen that and I don't know the character, but I really like Kevin James. Like King of Queens sitcom a few years ago was a really funny sitcom. Yeah, he's, he's quite likeable. Paul Blart is not a likeable character at all. He's, he's, no. he's a terrible person. And he's uh, weirdly kind of... Uh, really possessive of his daughter and things, and he's just kind of rude and obnoxious to everybody. And you don't want him to do well. You want him to go off his Segway and go through a plate glass window. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're not cheering for him. No, There's lots not. of fat jokes as well. I'm not it's sure. It's basically, that's that's the principle of the script, isn't it? They must have gone in, elevator pitch, and said, basically, it's um, it's it's die hard, but everybody's got type 2 diabetes. That's the that's the pitch for the entire thing. Pretty much, yeah. That die hard, that's, that's the elevator <laughs> pitch. And it's just fat jokes every five minutes. And some of them are just particularly cruel. His, his daughter, his teenage daughter, is basically, oh, I'm a big girl now. And he's like, oh, yeah, we're all big boned. And, you know, I mean, it's fucking leave her alone. <laughs> he's yeah. a terrible, terrible human. No wonder his, uh, his wife divorces him in the first three minutes yeah that doesn't set the tone of the film very well because i haven't seen again haven't seen the first one so i thought oh he must be an unlikable character if this woman can't stick around for six i days, think the first one he basically stalks her into submission doesn't he? exactly i've not seen it either but that's i've have listened to a podcast all about it so. well, the, well the one the one believable bit of the script in the second one is that uh, i remember in the divorce papers, she cites uncontrollable vomiting. <laughs> and I know exactly how she feels. Imagine if they did a third one. No, no, I don't want to. <laughs> like I said, this is, it made money. And I think people would go and see it just to see how bad it is. And there's people in this film that are not small names. There is I mean, every chance of it making. Of, of there being, a, being another one because someone trousered a good amount of that 38 million pounds so 38 million dollars that's yeah. gone somewhere 
Yeah. Got one question about the bad guy. Why has he got two different colour eyes? There was a point he just shouted it at one point, but never really... I just assumed he, I assumed he had that uh, that Bowie thing. I'm assuming he actually has two different colours. Yeah, maybe. He doesn't in real life, though, does he? Is it, but he doesn't he, do anything for the brothers? character. He doesn't in real life, no, he doesn't, yeah. Oh, he is right. Band Brothers. I, I, and he's... I just assumed that he had to... He had that conditioning. No, that is, that is contacts for an actor. Yeah. He's in a lot of films, that guy. Walking Tall is the one I can... Neil McDonough? Is it Neil McDonough? Something like that. He's, in he's got America. really blue eyes. Yeah. He's got really blue right. eyes in real life. But yeah, God knows. <laughs> I just assumed that I hadn't noticed when I'd seen him in anything else that he had two different coloured eyes, but uh, they made sure that whatever whatever amount of the $38 million they spent on his contact lenses, they wanted to make sure that you knew about it because he shouted yeah. that he had two different yeah. eyes. Yeah, that's why I'm like, good for you, mate. Well done, Bowie had it. It's, it's not so a big... Pointless. It's not, yeah. It's not an insult. Yeah, it's not a bad yeah. thing. No, exactly. Big deal, mate. I've just seen somebody eating a really old banana downstairs. Yeah, that's disgusting. <laughs> oh, the man. bit where, where Paul Blart is kind of like ziplining between the two buildings and he gets stuck in the middle i think it's the first time whenever thought i've ever sat there and thought i really hope he falls off <laughs> <laughs> that's just the end of the movie he just falls to his death and that's done <laughs> that's the one point i felt i felt anxious was when he got halfway across thinking that he's gonna you just know he's gonna get out of it really that's wanted to snap and to <laughs> have his body dashed against the side of the wind <laughs> it's it's really bizarre because he's not even the f- uh, there's a lot of unfunny characters that they keep putting in front of you and you're like please stop putting unfunny people in front of me like this <sighs> yeah the security guard from the from the uh the world of the mall or whatever it's called the universe of the mall, mm. mall yeah really really unfunny they've got all of them are. Just yeah. yeah it's just dozed off every time and it's kevin mates. james's brother in it as well isn't there it's all his mates. It's Gary, what I well, felt like I was watching. Gary Valentine, who plays Saul, Saul Gundus, Gundersmutt, or whatever it's called. <laughs> it was quite a good name. I quite like the name. That's Kevin James's brother. Oh, is it? Really? Lovely. Yeah. He's also in King of Queens as well. Yeah. yeah. He was paid $37.8 million. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Spent the rest on the bird and the banana. <laughs> so Kevin James took a pay cut to be in this film. <laughs> really? Yeah, because wow. he wanted like it was meant to be like 50 or something. And he was like, oh, I'll take a pay cut. And they brought the budget back down to 38. <laughs> Imagine how much Kevin James, he was going, oh my God. He must, oh, royalties. I don't know. But then it made, but then it made, then it, but then it made more than it's like double it back or whatever it was. Exactly. He's still making films. That's frightening. Absolutely frightening. What is the yeah. deal with the really attractive, like hotel manager who somehow has a crush on Paul Blart for no reason? Like, this is this is big men can be sexy too. I know. Look, I am one, right? Come on. <laughs> like, but I wouldn't expect to turn up at a hotel and have the manager fall in love with me like, just for being a dick. Like, he's, he is basically being a dick. They've said, "I'm really sorry, your room's not ready," and he's like throwing a hissy fit, and suddenly she's falling in love with him. What the? What is that? <laughs> is he supposed to be like that? You know this this um, alpha male bullshit where they're all like, you know, if you're kind of mean to women a little bit, mm. and or you're kind of arsey, you kind of backhanded compliments or, or yeah. whatever. Like, I mean, I can't, I can't. There's a name for it. I can't think what it is. Like, but that's, but even that fails. Even the conceit of that fails because he's basically just a dick. 
Yeah, he is. Yeah. So there's no, there's, there's nothing, nothing at all about him that, he's, that she's that no. he can latch on a little bit. What it is is that is that uh, thing that Adam Sandler shoehorns into all his films that he's basically he's kind of attractive. Mm. There's lots of films whereby basically women who work at Hooters throw themselves at Adam Sandler. Now, I suspect <laughs> that wouldn't happen in real life if Adam, if Adam Sandler wasn't Adam Sandler. Again, I've got a fact for you. Adam Sandler's wife's in this. <laughs> is she? she? She is the woman that's been hit on by the... Uh, oh, that bit's awful over. as well. That's Adam Sandler's wife. Ah, that's in the bar where she's, yeah. Yeah. she's been harassed by some, another security guard. Yeah. And what's that all about? Is that, yeah, so instead of coming in and going, you're out of order, mate, it's just, you know, you're pissed, I'll take you home at least. Paul Blart then con- tries to convince her that this guy's a good guy? Yeah. So it's like, wrong. what? <laughs> Come on, guys. It's, it's, script's not good. No. Let's just. No, no. But I think, no. I think it is that, that Adam Sandler thing where he shoehorned into every script that basically women are attracted to him. And I think what he's doing, trying to do is convince the world that it's true and he put <laughs> well, it, 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 it yeah. true. It, it is produced by his his production company yeah, right. yeah. Happy Madison so it is that lot I'm going to put them all in one bracket the grown ups yeah. all that also that a lot. terrible sequel exactly <laughs> yeah grown ups too my god but there are certain but there are certain Adam, Adam Sandler films where Adam Sandler comes off as charming in a way that Kevin mm. Smith doesn't you know so yeah, it just doesn't, doesn't yeah. work because he's he's too much of a dick. He's he's almost like um, Adam Sandler in Jack and Jill rather than Adam Sandler in Big Daddy. See what I mean? Has there ever been a a sequel that has surprised you? As in the first film maybe was rubbish, but then the second one was good, and so on. If that makes sense. <laughs> one one film that did uh, one sequel that really surprised me: Pitch Perfect Two. Oh, right. Here we go. <laughs> Matt likes a bit of singing. <laughs> um, I, uh, I I cried watching Pitch Perfect too, and that's not I'm not even kidding. <laughs> Was it the friendship that did it for you? <laughs> but, um, but but I should explain really that uh, that I cried because I had glandular fever, <laughs> and, uh, and I, I couldn't I couldn't I couldn't find a remote and ended up watching Pitch Perfect too, and I. Uh, and I am but a man, so I uh, so I cried at the bit where uh, Bumper turns down Fat Amy. But those of you are on a pitch for fixing. Yeah, it's a, it's it's a it's a terrible terrible film, but um, but it did surprise me that uh, that I found myself halfway through Blubby. <laughs> what was wrong with it? But as I say, we've all been there. That I needed a full course of antibiotics, <laughs> not pitch perfect too, for glandular fever, but but, uh, but yeah, I think I was just feeling really emotional at this. So that definitely. <laughs> This surprised me. Um, there's quite a few that um, Exorcist Three. I'm sure. I'm sure you've had a Exorcist Three on before. No, no, everyone's yeah, mentioned that. Exorcist Three, uh, because Exorcist Two was so bad, I, I thought Exorcist Three would be would be terrible. But I think it's a great, great horror film. And uh, partly because uh, being brought up uh, Catholic, the uh, the iconography in Exorcist Three, right from the very off, really, really uh, got inside my head. In in the first opening sequence of uh, of Exodus 3 there's a there's like a, a shot that bursts through the uh, the church doors and they swing open in the wind and it zooms in on a crucifix and the eyes just pop open and then it starts and that uh, yeah that's that, that really sticks with me so but like I said because X2 was so bad I think Exodus 3 really surprised me it may not be that great but it's uh but I remember it being a really really good, good horror film and and um 
And in terms of surprising sequels, Thor Ragnarok, I mentioned earlier, that I've watched with my little boy, I think that's a great uh, proper comic book superhero movie. Yeah, absolutely. The Thors, I found quite disappointing up to that point. I I found him one of the more boring characters. And I think Thor Ragnarok just basically pulled him out of a hole. I think uh, Mm. Paco Watiti's version of Thor, I think he's absolutely brilliant. So that that surprised me. Have you seen Love and Thunder? Yeah, not a fan of Love and Thunder, I'll be honest. No, no. (laughs) That's all right, we're not either. (laughs) (laughs) It's rubbish. There's there's an awful lot wrong with it. Um, Russell Crowe, I think, is, uh, is, is... is terrible in it. I think he's. Yeah. You can't. There's, there's a, there's a, there's a definitely a, a mark to hit between comedy and action and fantasy, and it still, and it still sort of makes sense. And if you air one side or the other uh, mm. very slightly, then the whole thing falls apart. And Russell, and Russell Crowe goes all full on comedy, and then most of them just miss it or miss miss the mark completely in Love and, Love and Thunder. I think, and it's. Yeah, You're throwing too much at the screen and nothing really works, and it's, the whole thing is just a yeah. big dog's breakfast. But uh, but that's not to say that Ragnarok isn't a fantastic sequel. I think but... Ragnarok is great. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Great shout. Yeah. Do you, are you a Marvel fan? Because you said earlier you're a comic book fan. How do you feel about the Marvels and DC sequels? While we're here, I um, I mean, there's so many films <laughs> in there. I don't, <laughs> A lot of things disappoint me about it. A lot of things that I think I think have worked really well. The entire Infinity Saga, I think they did that pretty well. Um, mm. I'm disappointed with as as a comic book fan. I'm disappointed with the obsession with Marvel and DC when mm. there is so much source material. I'm, a, I'm I grew up on 2000 AD, and uh, one yeah. of the one of the one of the um, original things for Dream Sequel was toying with Dread. I think Dread's a fantastic movie and it deserves a sequel and it's ridiculous that, that they're not gonna they're not gonna make one. But um out of those out of 2080, there are so many stories there from like ABC Warriors and Rogue Trooper and characters like that that deserve full franchises that nobody even looks at because they're all obsessed with Spider-Man or they're obsessed with, you know, try, trying to trying to make Superman relevant again and they're trying to <laughs> New things that yeah. that they feel like shoehorn, and, and because DC's trying to catch up with Marvel, and, and Marvel's trying to rinse the entire thing, and it, it's a bit like the way that uh, the way that Disney's with Star Wars now, like it's ring it and ring it and ring it until there's nothing left. Yeah, and maybe then they'll find things like uh, 2080 or some of the indie yeah. comics. Or I, I know that Duncan Jones, who made Moon. Uh, has been trying to make a rogue, was rogue stomper, rogue trooper, rogue trooper yeah. for a few years I've now. I'm not quite sure. Oh, it, yeah. It'd be absolutely brilliant for it. It'd be, it would be so good. But this, this things like um, a Slanya and stuff like that, which are basically Game of Thrones things. Mm. This old um, nemesis and talk murder, and there's just so much material there. I've, the dread universe itself is absolutely enormous. Yeah. And the fact that that. With Dread, they took one element, which is Block Wars out of 2018, the Dread, uh, Dread stories, and they created what I thought was a pretty good standalone movie. But there is so yeah, much great. in the Dread universe in terms of the, the the apocalyptic landscape outside of that. You've got the, mm. the the Death Judges, which would make a great movie. You've got the 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 uh, the Psy Warriors and stuff like that. And you've got these. Um, you know, apocalyptic mutants, some, you know, the, the fellow with a dial on his head that he turns up to four to headbutt you and stuff. I mean, it's just, yeah, yeah. it's just such <laughs> cool stuff in there. And uh, it was, it was such a good representation of dread that I'm gutted yeah. that they're not going to make a, 
We had a we had a chap called Jack who does. He's from a podcast called Sequelizers, and he picked Dread as his oh, did he? dream sequel as yeah. well. And his we like his idea for the sequel was like a, a whole kind of road movie across the Badlands, basically. Oh, of, fantastic! Of well, like Mad Max Fury Road, but with we, we kind of came out of it dreads. going, if we ever win the Euro Millions, we're making that movie. <laughs> <laughs> there's a great, there's a great story called Chopper Chopper Goes to Oz, which is about about a surfer. But you're surfing, surfing the sky rather than on water, and it, the entire the entire comic book series is is the race basically, and it's the race to try and but but it's kind of um, dystopian apocalyptic, and he has to face people with grenades and mutants and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. That alone as a movie would yeah. blow Mad Max out of the water, in my opinion. Like, I mean, but, oh wow! But no one will ever no one will ever make it. I don't think. No. So, Fingers crossed one day. But I mean, but this is not the sequel that I should. <laughs> no. Let's get what a link. So what what was your dream sequel? My dream sequel you've had before, I think, is E.T. Never had that as a dream sequel. Had as a dream sequel, no, no. Well, this is well, this is gonna be interesting. It's, um because yeah. I watched ET very uh, very recently with my uh, with my little boy, and it hits the uh, hits the same marks that ET did with me when I first watched it. Uh, in that he was magic upset upset at the bits where you're supposed to be upset, and he was excited the bits where you're supposed to be excited. And uh, that's quite rare in films now. I, mean, I don't know where yeah. you find it, but it's to, to watch a movie and still be hit by those uh, by hit by those marks and have that color in a story. It's, uh, it's not seldom made these days, I don't think. But it's such a good film. And the reason why I chose it is because of the treatment for ET2 that was made by um, the the woman who originally wrote uh, the treatment. Oh, right, okay. It exists, does it? There, there is a treatment. I printed it off. <laughs> oh, wow. Now, listen. I like how prepared you are, Matt, because you're also wearing a red hoodie today as well. That's like... I'm sure there's a filter which would make me look like I've got a... <laughs> I've got a small <laughs> alien in a basket in a back in front of me. But this is this is the treatment for for ET2. It's called Nocturnal Fears by uh, it says uh, story treatment by Steven Spielberg, Spielberg and Melissa Matheson, who mm. wrote the original. But I'm going to read you the first paragraph, right? Okay. See whether you're not on board for this. Actually, first three paragraphs. Change that. <laughs> In the night sky, there is an emotion churning about. It's really, really badly written. <laughs> I'll tell you, badly written. <laughs> In the night sky, there is an emotion churning about. The stars twinkle blankly, expressionless, as if to say that something is wrong. There is a slight breeze disturbing the treetops. Or is it? Through gnarled branches, we gaze upon a familiar sight. In what seemed like only the blink of an eye, something has penetrated the night sky and nearly avoided our attention. A small noise followed by streaks of stray light, further acknowledge its presence. The door is being opened on the giant ornamental mothership now resting in the forest clearing. A door opens and extends outward to make a ramp. Light pours from within and a figure emerges as a silhouette. The creature moves in a familiar fashion, a waddle. <laughs> I mean, I'm on board I mean, with that. <laughs> so far, basically ET. <laughs> Absolutely, and then it goes a bit sideways. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, how can ET go sideways? Well, Such a lovely film. Well, if I tell you that one of the script notes that immediately follows that is there have been numerous reports of unexplained cattle mutilations in the surrounding countryside. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. 
They're ravenous, are they? Well, it turns out that that's not ET. You see, that's a, that's an evil version of the alien from his planet. Oh, and, right. Uh, okay. They've come. They're, apparently, they're at war or something. And uh, it's a it's a white version, like an albino version of ET. Once it comes out of silhouette, you realise that it's got really sharp teeth and it's evil. And they've come to wow. try and find ET, who apparently is called Zrek, according to the treatment. And they uh, and they've come to to basically kill him or something, right? But it goes more sideways. This is the reason why this wasn't made. But <laughs> when I saw when I saw it was called Nocturnal Fears, I was thinking it was like a. It sounds like a David Duchovny soft porn. It does. Yeah, it does. But, uh, but apparently, it's much more uh, much more sort of nasty and horror horror based than that. Apparently, the evil creatures are carnivorous. I'm just reading bits out of the treatment here, but. Uh, they, they, they managed to get Elliot, Elliot, Elliot draw, draw into the woods and try to get him to tell them where E.T. is, basically. So what they do is uh, they don't accept the truth in their responses. Whilst one child is interrogated, another is being examined. Gertie is crying, call, calling for her mother and for E.T. The others endure. The pain is tremendous for Elliot. And he breaks down and begins screaming for E.T.'s help. I told you it was dark. Wow. Yeah, Jesus. Gertie's the sister. Elliot yeah, blacks yeah. out, but the echoes of his last cry can be heard from a distance. At this point, we follow up with the echoing cry for E.T. into the cosmos, where the painful cry seems to die. So basically... Jesus, that's bleak. <laughs> so, so basically, so Elliot is being probed or whatever aliens do, whilst being tortured to try and get information about E.T., he then cries out in pain. E.T. hears it from across the cosmos. But then E.T. apparently fires up the speak and spell again. And uh, it reads, E.T., Elliot, Elliot, I'm coming or something. Yes. So uh, E.T. <laughs> and E.T. appears. This is according to the treatment. It appears for the last five minutes of the film to save the day, which um, and apparently <laughs> kicks, kicks these evil aliens' ass. I've just got an image of like E.T. with like a massive machine gun and bullets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know how he's. I mean, I mean, last time he came to me, I think he really died of a cold. I don't know if he's going to take out an evil alien race. But, but apparently, apparently, this is the thing. He's going to, he's going to come back. And the main reason why uh, why ET two hasn't been made is because of this treatment. It sounds right? horrific. <laughs> I mean, what were they smoking at that point? Oh, I mean, I mean, I've no. I mean, just the punctuation in it alone suggests some <laughs> mushrooms, at least. But, uh, but it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's horrific. It's basically, um, it's like a, a horror, a horror version of ET, and uh, yeah, and it's, and yeah, I still want to see it. <laughs> I want them to make it. I need to see <laughs> nocturnal fears. In fact, I want them to go further. I want, I want. I want E.T. to come back and harvest the eggs that he left in Elliot's stomach in the 80s. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> no. Wow. Sure, no. What, does it Does it have a year on that, by any chance? Uh, it does, yeah. You know, it says, uh, treatment, in fact, he has a... Let me see. Yeah, July the 17th, 1982. Oh, okay. So it's so immediately after. Yeah, immediately after. after. Yeah. yeah. 
I, mean, I kind of thinking that basically he didn't want to make ET two. Was pressured by the studio after ET was so successful, and then just made a deliberately shit treatment. Oh, you've nailed it! <laughs> yeah. That's what he's done. I mean, Spielberg game. notoriously doesn't like sequels, does he? No, so, no. especially at that point in his career, he wanted to do new stuff every time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and he never made um, never made a sequel to Close Encounters either. And I wonder if what he was trying to do is combine the two. It's oh. I did I did think that while watching it today I was like oh that ship's a little bit you know yeah the lights the way and obviously you have the John Williams music you could possibly put them in the same world I mean in fear in like you see E.T. aliens in Star Wars yeah so yeah yeah there's, there's I mean there, there? there is all crossovers maybe that's what you should do make a close encounters E.T. Uh, crossover because that's an, that would be another good sequel Mm. Because I want to know what Richard. I want to follow Richard Dreyfuss after he after he, he leaves the planet. Because yeah, he had a wife and three kids or four kids or something, and he just yeah, yeah. pisses off. Yeah. I can sympathise sometimes, sometimes. <laughs> but how on earth? I mean, what happened after that? I need to know. I mean, I, I want to. I want to know the story of the family afterwards, and I want to know where, where Richard Dreyfuss went. If if you are going to take a direction with ET two, in all seriousness, I don't think. Nocturnal fears is the way forward. No, <laughs> no. torturing children, you know, on board uh, on board the mothership, and then uh, and then ET. Although you, although coming down with a huge gun <laughs> would be cool. <laughs> would be amazing. <laughs> Reloading the way the T two does, I would watch that all day long. <laughs> yeah, what, absolutely. So, what, what would you like to see now? I reckon they could do it now because you have got Drew Barrymore. She's an incredible actress. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the guy who plays Elliot is in those um, Midnight Mass yeah, TV yeah. series. Is they're all they're all doing stuff. Yeah, I saw yeah. a reunion the other day. The other day, they all look great. Yeah, come on, bring him back to earth. Absolutely, I think. Um, yeah, and I, I would make it with the adults as well. I wouldn't try and do a reboot or anything like that. Or, no, no, yeah. legacy sequel. They're very cool. Yeah, yeah, and I think um, there's there's a ride at Universal, which is basically an ET ride where you can uh, where you can. Go go to ET's own planet or whatever like that. I mean, maybe there's something in that. Especially if you did the crossover and find out where Richard Dreyfus went because because uh, yeah. his wife's looking for. Him. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he owes her forty years of child support. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. but if you, if you followed to ET's home planet, I think that would make an interesting film because Elliot is asked is asked in the closing scene to go, come with me. He says, like, I mean, mm. and he obviously can't. Because he's a child. Yeah, because he's a, because he's, he's not a grown not a grown man who can drop things yeah. on a whim, Richard. Uh, <laughs> so he can. Uh, so, but now he's old enough to to go, isn't he? And he should be given should be given that opportunity rather yeah. than be regressed to childhood and tortured by uh, yeah by albino wow. ets. But it's worth the the treatment if you it's it is available online. It's like a, it's like nine pages. It's, like I say, it's terribly written, but it fills in some gaps on the like the name of ET and things like that. I mean, so it's very it's very interesting read. But yeah, I think I think I might have uh, might have cottoned on to Spielberg's game there because in terms of <laughs> yeah. natural film, all joking aside, it will be proper shit that that whatever. <laughs> Dark nocturnal, whatever it is. I don't know. Spielberg, he's pretty good, that fella. I, that treatment sounds terrible. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. Come on. <laughs> I mean, like I said, the reason why I chose it is partly because nocturnal is because I want to see that film. I want to see how 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 Spielberg turns that into a film that even it looks remotely like a like a blockbuster, like something you've got to go to the cinema and watch because it sounds absolute garbage. But I would like to see. The grown, the the grown up Elliot, the grown up Gertie, the grown up families and stuff. Partly, 
and it's it is nostalgia for for ET partly, but it's also because it was brilliant during that time period. Close Encounters is a really good example as well. Like dialogue, you know, when the families are talking over each other and it's hundred mile an hour, like, and it's like it's, that's yeah. how families talk to each other. And I could li- listen to and watch that all day long. And uh, yeah, I'd like I'd like to see him, you know, go back to that sort of thing. And so, so yeah, I'd like to see uh, I'd like to see ET ET two not not turn off fears. <laughs> Those were Matt Coins unequal sequels. I'm, I'm really happy. I'm really glad we got Matt on the podcast. He's such a lovely man. I think he? he's absolutely brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. I cannot overstate how brilliant it was to have another dad going through some of the same crap that I was going through when my son was a baby, basically. Yeah. And some of the stuff he's he's still going through as a dad now. He's so relatable and so funny. It's really, really helpful because, like, there's loads of, like, mums supporting mums and stuff. There's not a lot of dads kind of supporting dads kind of stuff going on there. And, yeah, it's really, really good stuff. He's an absolute hero. I'm very excited he was on the, we had the, had him on the podcast. He was also very knowledgeable on film. Yeah, so, yeah. Good movie uh, It does surprise me because, uh, you know, the name of the game on this podcast is to talk about films, but he brought a lot of knowledge uh and some of his stories were really good. Oh, yeah. I really enjoyed Very good. Very, very good. good. I mean, they're very good picks as well. Terminator 2, yes. the best. Obviously, probably the best sequel ever. I know it's people say Godfather yes, Part yes. 2. I know people say Aliens, but Terminator 2, baby. It's got to be We had there. to go get it for a season at some point, someone picking Terminator 2. <laughs> I mean, it, and it is brilliant and... I love just talking about it because there's so much to talk about in Terminator 2. It's, um, yeah, it's somewhere I would say it's like a safe pick, but it's so fucking good. It's a safe pick because it's true, though. It is <laughs> yeah. a great sequel, you know, it's everything you look for. And talking of like, I don't think we've gone from so high in people's mm. picks to so low for their worst. Paul Blart 2. Well, that was a roller coaster because we were trying to find the Jerk 2 for a while. Yes. Yeah, we were. Yeah. The Jerk 2 was going to be his, it was his original choice and we just couldn't find it anywhere. It's so bad. It's, it's not on the internet, <laughs> which is rare yeah, for a movie. Somewhere deep down. I mean, there was a copy on YouTube, but another podcast is talking over it. <laughs> I don't think we could have watched that. No. And then we found some copies in CX. <laughs> around the country that were like wouldn't get to our house in time basically we'd have had to have driven across the country to go buy yeah that didn't two. seem like fina- financial sense to me no no but Paul Blart 2 was an equally brilliant choice because oh my god oh, it's that thing toilet. is awful although I have learned since we record the podcast there is a dark side of the mall which you know like um, people sync up Pink Floyd with uh, Wizard of Oz, and right. if you play like the Dark Side of the Moon album, it syncs up perfectly with Wizard of Oz. Apparently, right. if you play it with Paul Blart too, it syncs up. Which music? The <laughs> all that the whole album. If you start that the album at the same second you start the movie, then it's the album syncs up with the with the movie. That's terrifying. <laughs> look it up on YouTube if you don't believe me. Look it up. It makes the movie so much better. <laughs> I knew at some point someone was going to pick that film. I had never seen it before, and I thought, I'm just going to wait until someone picks it. 
uh, and then someone did and horrible. I've watched it twice now because I couldn't believe how bad it was the first time <laughs> I thought I was literally I, first time I watched it I wasn't really concentrating on it and then I thought okay I have to check that that is what I just watched so I, a couple of days later I watched it again and it, it was it was so much worse the second time <laughs> yeah yeah if you want to hear people ranting I know we I know I say this a lot I know I do but if you want to hear people ranting about Paul Blart more cop 2 go and listen to the sequelizers episode on it it's very very good there's also a podcast there's a do Paul Blart to I die or something and it's a group of friends who oh, yeah, record the, it every Thanksgiving like the worst idea in the world or something and they something watch like that, the, yeah. the bad movie every year every, every week oh, but this then, one they, they do every then they decided yeah, every Thanksgiving they watch Paul Blart too. oh no thank you no. films on Thanksgiving I mean, uh, I've had more fun colonoscopies. I've said that before, but you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and he, and his 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 dream pick was ET, which is intriguing because this pitch was actually real. Yeah. It's this is Steven Spielberg's pitch for ET two, not because I think he wanted to make it, because I think he wanted to scare off the studio. <laughs> pretty much the and treatment that, is the wild. treatment is wild. It's a wild ride. Um, yeah, I'm glad that didn't get made, but I'm also curious to, like, to see that film. Like, mm. Imagine if they turn around to Steve's film and go, all right, go do that. I'm like, <laughs> oh, I've got to make this film now. Steve, you've done it again. Here's a big yeah. bag of money. Fuck. <laughs> that got made. Let's, let's go Christ. talk to some kids. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. It was, it was a wild ride. Um, but yeah, thank you, Matt. Go check out his stuff. Man vs. Baby, Instagram. Uh, Twitter. Even if you uh, don't check have out his kids, website, yeah, he's no, hilariously his, books, funny. his books are brilliant. His books are well. brilliant. In fact, I've kind of, I've got a mission now, because um, I have I have a row of books in my bathroom, which are my like my. This is going to sound bad. My toilet books. I can't like to have a little break <laughs> and read. Bad, yeah. So yeah. I've got I've got Matt's one of Matt's books there. So he's ticked off the podcast list, and I'm wondering if I could get through all the authors as guests in our podcast. It'd be pretty epic. I've got like Billy Connolly um, and James A. Caster. Oh, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Um, and then we should definitely tell them that you're, they're a toilet yeah, yeah, book. Yeah, you're a toilet book. Yeah. Okay. Matt, we didn't tell you in person, but you're a toilet book. I'm sorry. That sounds, that sounds worse than it is. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you want to see that? See the people out? I probably should. Shouldn't I, really? Yeah. This is a great time to stop. <laughs> I've got no links between that, between toilet books. <laughs> if you like toilet humour. <laughs> if, if you like toilet humour, this is the place for you. Um, yeah, go back and listen to all our other episodes. I'm sure you'll find some somewhere. Um, we've got brilliant interview episodes just like this one. We've also got all of our extra episodes go back and listen to those if you're a big fan of Matt's and you're just tuning in to hear him and you thought actually quite like this podcast I'll go back and listen to the rest of it then hit that little auto download button hit the subscribe button we'll drop into your pod player of choice every single week uh, you can also find us on social media and say hello we are at unequalsequal on Twitter and Instagram or you can send us an email unequalsequalhotmail.com if you really really like us and you're a big fan you can find even more of us on anotherslice.com forward slash unequalsequal we have a little subscription service where you can get some more from Matt a sequel to this episode um, and even more of our sequels to our other episodes and also some extra bits we've done some trailer breakdowns and all sorts of bits on there it's only 2 a month go along click that button and we'll we'll have some more extra content for you uh 
if you can't afford that, we understand times are tough at the moment. Uh, just give us a little rating, five stars, little tick, little heart, write us a little review. We'll love you forever and it helps other people find the podcast. Voila. Do you know other podcasts pre-record this stuff? Like they have it, they just drop it in. Yeah, just, yeah, I, yeah. I, I make you do it every time. You do, you do make me do it every time. And you do a great job, mate. Well done. Yeah, well, it's more authentic if you do it every time, you know? You don't get if we'd pre-recorded it, I wouldn't have been put off my my by my stride by you putting a funny face halfway through that, and uh, yeah, and stumbled over it, and then people would know it was pre-recorded. Uh, <laughs> people like our chemistry, Rich. That's what keeps them. That's the magic that people keep coming back for. Uh, yes, thank you guys for listening. Thank you for all the people. Go check out Never Slice. We really do appreciate everything you guys say to us. Send us, uh, you know, all the listeners the downloads. It's brilliant. We really like it. Happy Christmas. I've got nothing else to say, Rich. Got nothing else to say? Nope. Nope, that's it. That's, uh, so it is a naked men. Naked men from me. It's naked now, men. That's <laughs> say, that is fin- Finnish for goodbye, but it does sound like I'm saying naked men. <laughs> naked men. Naked men. It still sounds like naked. Uh, and it's goodbye from him. Bye. Guys, just get out there. Go read one of Matt's books on the toilet. You'll love it. doesn't have to be on the toilet you can just read them anywhere you like you know? yeah but I haven't got any toilet books I can highly recommend uh, The Mum Who Lost Her Shit you know I think that's a really good one well that does sound like a toilet book <laughs> it does see <laughs> rice itself <laughs>